I'm ready. Live from the basement of Voodoo Sound, it's time to get your mojo working. I got my mojo working, but it just won't work on you. Take the next 40 odd minutes to get your hands on some tips and tools that will get you working at your best in both your business and your personal life. Hey everybody and welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Nice to have your company and thank you so much for choosing to join us today for our program. Uh, For those people who are new to the show, what do we do here? Well, we just find people that we think are interesting, who we think have got lots to offer with tips and tools to help you get your mojo working in and out of the workplace. And if you are a regular Mojoite and you've been with us on the journey, welcome back. Thanks again for tuning in. Uh, Before we start, let's uh, say good day to the man who is driving the whole show, the man behind the panel, Robbo. Good day, mate. Are you well today? Um, I'm very well. And yourself? I'm feeling tip-top, Tommy. That's the way. Guess what? I've, I've got 20 cents here and I'm ready to spend it. Mate, throw it in. Robbo's 20 cents worth. <laughs> what do you got? Oh, look, I've, I've been looking around the net, just, you know, bit of time off work in the last few weeks, obviously, and all that sort of stuff. And I, I just came across something that was interesting. Let me put a question to you first and then see if you can guess what mm-hmm. I might be talking about. Mm-hmm. If you're in a restaurant and you looked up at the menu and you saw items on the menu like corn fritters with smashed avocado and feta, banana and coconut muffins, uh, chorizo and egg roll, do you have any idea what restaurant or what type of a restaurant you might be in? Well, that menu is sounding a bit paleo with the way trends are going right now. It sounds a bit paleo or primal or something like that, I'd reckon. Mm-hmm. What if I told you it was actually a McDonald's store? Yeah, no, I wouldn't buy it. <laughs> well, it is. I'm here to that's tell a you. Dog. That's, a dog that, that's a dog that won't hunt. <laughs> I'll tell you what. In a, in, a, in a shift of corporate mojo, McDonald's are expanding their cafe business into standalone restaurants featuring wait for it, what they describe as healthy menus, including tofu and vegetables. Mm. So, um, so that's kind of interesting. They've branded it What's as- What's it the, called? It's, they've branded it as The Corner. Um, and they've just opened their first one in the world in Camperdown in Sydney the other week. Um, and they cool. say they're using it as a learning lab where they're testing out completely new food and drinks. Um, interestingly, the only hint that you're actually in a McDonald's small is a really small McCafe logo that's part of the-, the um, the, the corner's logo itself. Mm. Um, management reckon that, um, and, and are pointing to a 4.6% drop in restaurant sales for McDonald's across the US last year and say they're working to, um, to bring consumers more of what they want. So, um, so they're using oh, this as sort health. of a, a test lab. Yeah. <laughs> well, my question well, would be, though, if you're trying to rebrand your restaurant, why would you do it under the, a completely different brand? Oh, but they're not. I mean, obviously, I think the 4.6% drop just shows that people are voting with their feet, well, or voting with their mouths, that um, all this conversation has been happening around the world about having to make a change because we are so fat and obese and unhealthy. Mm. Um, obviously, the great news is that people are actually making some changes because you think 4.6% of the amount of money they would turn over is a significant slab. Mm. Oh, it's huge. So, um, Millions. I don't think this is a testing lab. In my mind, when you hear that sort of um, conversation, that's more them reacting to it and saying we have to do something to address this decline. Mm. But rebranding it, because you see that stuff can't, can't sit on a McDonald's menu. No. Because perceptually McDonald's have got their own lane, which is, you know, fast food, burgers, unhealthy mm you know, Big Macs mm. and so on. So it's... Um, my question, my other question would be, if McDonald's, you know, are moving to the healthy food, um, you know, sort of lane and all that sort of stuff um, and decide that, you know, the burger thing is no longer profitable, what are my parents going to do after full time on a Sunday? Mm. <laughs> little Johnny, where's little Johnny? Get his treat on his way home. Mm. <laughs> Let's go and have some paleo burgers, Johnny. Mm. <laughs> mm, how about a tofu burger? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, dear. There you go. There's my 20 cents. I've well and truly spent it. That is going to be a very interesting case study to watch, Robbo. I can see why that has happened. I think the thing I'm most excited about is that 
with turnover being down for them, it does mean there must be a groundswell towards healthier eating and mm. you know, more wellness, isn't it? Absolutely. And especially when we're talking about, because that percentage actually comes from the States, mm. that 4.6%. So, um, so in a, in a nation of, that's well known for its obesity problems, four point, as you say, 4.6% is a massive slab of people. But what's also uh, a point to note is they're opening it in Sydney first. That's a great thing for uh, for mm. us to say that maybe Australians are the ones who are adopting this new approach to health and wellness. And we know that a lot of our mojo is controlled by the stomach and the stomach's health has a lot to do with our energy levels, our vitality and our mojo. So um, it does mm. fit in nicely with what we're about here, isn't it? Absolutely. Indeed, yeah, it does. Sorry, mate. I reckon that was worth more than twenty cents. Uh, not a lot, but uh, <laughs> maybe worth about the same amount as a Big Mac. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what a Big Mac's worth these days. To be honest, I couldn't I, tell you. I could not no. tell you. Anyway, so I um, tell you. should we jump into this week's show? Yeah, it's a huge show this week. Huge. Let's do it. The Mojo Radio Show. So to introduce this week's guest on the Mojo Radio Show, there is Mm. a bit of a backstory, kids. So settle back, grab yourself a coffee and settle in. Um, Mm. Some months ago, my sister-in-law came to visit us at the farm and turned up right in the kitchen. Hang on, hang on. At the farm? Yeah. Okay, well, we need a bit of a mental picture here. Talking Stetson hat, chaps, check shirt, jeans, <laughs> riding boots, spurs. Is that it? Yeah, that's uh, yeah, fantastic. Okay, you can continue now. Yeah, uh, thanks, yeah. mate. Thanks for that segue. Um, and I had the coffee ready, and my sister-in-law threw a magazine onto the kitchen table and said, I love this magazine, best magazine ever. And... I was drawn to it like a bee to a honeypot because when people are that passionate about a brand or a product, you kind of want to know more about it. Turns out that the magazine was the Renegade Collective magazine and I knew the editor-in-chief or the lady who founded it. And having been a massive fan of this lady for many, many years, that's just a great, great girl and does brilliant work, I thought we would get Lisa Messenger who basically created, drives, runs, and puts the whole thing together onto the line. So, uh, Lisa Messenger, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And what a gorgeous introduction. Um, I really appreciate that. I was almost sitting here getting quite emotional about that. Right. As long as you're not imagining Gary and his chaps, you're doing all right. <laughs> okay, let's move on. That's where that. the emotion started. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lisa, just tell me about the dream behind the Renegade Collective magazine. When you were starting out, what, what was your dream you had in mind? Thanks, Gary. Well, my initial dream was kind of different to how it sort of morphed and pivoted along the way. But initially, look, it was born out of frustration. And I, I was so frustrated with sort of traditional media that was, you know, showing all this kind of negativity and everything. And I was fortunate enough to be surrounded by amazing, inspirational entrepreneurs like you and, uh, and many of the people that we know. And I just thought, you know, surely there's a gap in the market to put something amazing together that's going to, you know, light people up and show them that there's a different way and um, show them through other people's stories that anything's possible. And so having had no background in, print magazines whatsoever I uh, I launched and, and it's now in 37 countries so it's been a, a very large growth trajectory over the last 18 months and really I'm just an entrepreneur for entrepreneurs to say anything is really possible. Have you always been a dreamer ever since you were a kid? Yeah I think I have I mean I definitely have. I grew up in the country, I think we've talked about this, I grew up in Coola in central west New South Wales so kind of six mm. hours or at the time seven hours from pretty much anywhere <laughs> and, you know, I grew up riding horses and motorbikes and making mud pies in the creek. But, you know, so I wasn't surrounded by, um, you know, a lot of inspiration at the time. There were no computers. You know, we had to, if you wanted to read something, it came from the Encyclopedia Britannica. But it was a mm. fabulous kind of grounded upbringing, I think. Um, and then I went to boarding school in Sydney and I just I just started to get a glimmer of, you know, what was out there in the world and what was possible. And I just, like many entrepreneurs, because I hear this as a reoccurring theme, I just started to question everything and ask why. And of course, 
what's on you in the education system, unfortunately, that's frowned upon. And it's not until later in life, you know, when you become a bit of a rebellious entrepreneur that suddenly it's celebrated. So, yeah, I've always, I've always dreamed and I've always thought there's something bigger and wanted to make a difference. So since the magazine started, was it March 2013? Is that right? Yes. Yes, that's right. So since the magazine has started and it's been uber successful, has your dreaming changed? It's an interesting thing I'd never really thought of before, but uh, do you find now that you're thinking and dreaming in a different way following the success of the magazine? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. And, you know, success is an interesting word. Someone said to me recently, um, if you were, you know, if your life was a book, what page would you be on and or what chapter would you be? And I said I'd be kind of page one, paragraph one. And I think that's really important. You know, I think that shocks people because they think, oh, wow, you know, the collective it's had a level of success and it certainly has. But for me, I just don't want to get, you know, carried away. I've got a lot more to do and I've got a very, very big, lofty global vision. But um, but what's been interesting is, and I think this is something really, really important for listeners to remember, is, you know, it's opened up extraordinary doors. I just, I mean, literally two weeks ago, I was on Necker Island, which is Richard Branson's private island, with him, you know, sitting in his sitting room. Like, it's one of the most extraordinary experiences. Mm. I've met and interviewed John Cleese and Martha Stewart and Ewan McGregor and, and, you know, that sort of thing would never have happened before I started the magazine. But the closer I get to these people, the more I realize that they're just like us. And, you know, there's so much sort of spin and hype or media or whatever it is that surrounds them. But when I've actually met them, the majority of people are just kind of normal human beings. And so that has almost had the unexpected and adverse effect in terms mm. of I realize that really anything's possible. The more I meet them, the more I realize they're just like us. And I think it's a really, really important message that I try to say to other people. Whatever your dream is, it's not too big. you just got to have that dream and you've got to go like hell for it. Do you think that's a cornerstone for you? Because you talk about entrepreneurialism. And we'll get onto the book in a second, the new book. Um, do you think as an entrepreneur, that being a dreamer is one of the cornerstones that's essential to start to create and, and de- be daring and disrupt? Yeah, so I think there's two parts to that. I think being being a dreamer or a visionary and being able to think really, really big and not have any constraints um, is really, really an imperative. But the second mm. part of that, I call them gunners and implementers. You know those people who say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and they might be dreamers, and I, I've met lots of them who've got these extraordinary very lofty goals and dreams, but, you know, more often than not, they don't implement them, whether that's, you know, fear, whether that's fear of success or fear of failure, and often fear of success is bigger, I found. Um, And so, you know, it's not enough just to dream, like you've got to be able to, you know, believe in yourself unwaveringly and, you know, put your ass on the line, basically, and, you know, find a market and find people who will back you and support you. And that's got to start with yourself. You know, no one's going to do that for you. And, uh, you know, I've really experienced that in a big way in the last 18 months, having been the new kid on the block in an industry where in Australia alone there's over over 5,500 print magazines. And I came in you know, with no financial backing, just as me, and, you know, went hard up against the big boys. So I know kind of more than anyone at the moment what it takes to kind of have a dream and follow it and just back yourself and keep going. Can I can I ask just quickly, the mindset that you went into the business with to begin with, compared to the mindset that you have now and the way you approach the way you do things, has that changed or had to change because of the way the company's grown or do you still basically approach things the way you always did? Um, So in terms of my mindset, I think uh, it's pretty much consistent with how it's always been. But what's very, very much changed around that is the level of risk I'm now prepared to take and the confidence I now have in myself and my team and the things we're creating. And that has purely happened because, I mean, the only way I can say it is you've got to put yourself out there. The more you put yourself out there and the more you realize, you know, you can succeed or you're not going to fall over or go under and all that sort of thing that, you know, is a very 
um, real scenario for me on quite a lot of days. Mm. <laughs> but the more I kind of push myself and realize it's not happening, the more I the more I go. And so what happens is I don't really feel fear. And I have a whole chapter in my book, Daring Indestructive, which is called Fearless. And people say to me often, how do you do this? Why don't you feel fear? And my answer to that is basically that pretty much in you know, having my business for 13 years as well as lots of different life experiences. I've probably experienced it in one form or another, like a worst-case scenario along the way. And so I can very quickly kind of reverse engineer that and kind of go, okay, that's the worst-case scenario. If that happens, what can I do to ensure that, you know, that I don't fall over? So um, that's about surrounding myself with an amazing team and uh, and just going going for it, really. But, um, you know, there have been certain relationships I've had to exit along the way, like my accountant last year for four months as as um, my bottom line was getting redder and redder and he was getting redder and redder. And, you know, he just, he was never going to understand the level of risk that I was taking and I had to make a conscious decision to kind of exit that for a while. We're back together now. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, um, let's segue into the new book, um, which I read last week, which I'm going to say to the listeners, I loved the back paragraph, um, I think, sums it up. The book is called Daring and Disruptive, and it said it's an insightful and soulful account of the entrepreneur's roller coaster ride for those who want to succeed almost as much as they want to breathe, who want to make the impossible possible and the ordinary extraordinary. And I have to say, a lot of people talk about it, but this book does step you through that journey, Lise. Can you tell me in your own perspective about the book and and what you wanted to write? Yeah, thank you so much for that. So a lot of people say to me, you know, when you just launched a magazine 18 months ago and you managed to write a book in between, why on earth would you do that? My reality is something I realized quite early on was um, one of the main reasons I did the collective was I'd done so much work and personal development on myself over 10 years, I kind of finally felt it was time to give back and kind of remove myself from the scenario. And so um, through the journey of the collective, what I really realized is that I'm just an entrepreneur for entrepreneurs and I'm really just the architect or the conduit from which that kind of flows. I provide the infrastructure for it. And so I don't want people to look at the collective or its, you know, perceived success or whatever and just kind of go, well, that's her, you know, must have had it on a silver spoon. It's all easy. Mm. I wanted to be really authentic and I want to tell people, you know, my own story behind the story and what's really going on and the struggles and, and also the successes and things. And I think that's why, you know, I've written lots of books and in comparison, I think they've just <laughs> probably always read them, really. And this one... <laughs> I think it's um, it's having it's quite extraordinary. We sold over well, we sold ten thousand copies in the first four weeks. So we just had another print run land, and I think it's um, I think it's because I'm now in a position where I can just be as authentic as I possibly can and just you know tell it how it is. And mm. because I realise as well, I'm in a really fortunate position now with the magazine that so many people email me hundreds every day saying, I read the magazine, you know, I read this article on such and such and it gave me the courage to start my own business or I was just about to throw it all in and I realized this person. And, you know, that's what feeds me. And so I kind of wanted, I want people to understand my story and kind of put it all out on a platter. So, yeah, Daring and Disruptive is very much around, you know, finding your why and your purpose and the kind of journey that I went through to, to find mine. And it's about, you know, how you can, you know, make a difference in the world, how you can, um, you know, all sorts of things about some practical stuff on how to leverage partnerships and, you know, um, amplify your message and start a business with no money and all that kind of thing. It's about creating a great culture. So it's very much kind of, you know, the entrepreneurial journey using myself as an example, but from a very soulful um, kind of place of integrity. I'm a bit of a spiritual hippie woo-woo kind of a person. So, you know, it goes into a lot of depth around my philosophies and feelings and things. So let's just talk about one of the things you mentioned before was um, uh, building the right team around you. So yeah. what's your philosophy toward building a team? And when you are building a team, what are you looking for? 
So, yeah, and I mean, this has been something I've learned over the years through lots of trial and error and, you know, failures and mistakes and things. But now, I mean, something that's been consistent all the way through has been um, my office is very much like a home. It's actually a converted um, apartment that looks over the city and we have a massive deck that's as big as the office. It's filled with plants and it's all light and bright and green and our animals come to work and it's a really happy place that people walk into and say, oh, is this your home? <laughs> and it's very purposeful and I think it's um, because I grew up in the country I just I love being surrounded by nature and animals and that's kind mm. of where I operate best so that's been really important and in terms of my team uh, it's been quite counterintuitive we've now got 24 full-time people um, working on the collective wow. and collective extensions and only one of them has ever worked for a magazine so it's um, <laughs> you know some people would either say that's mad I say it's very very purposeful because the reality is um, it's just about doing things differently. So I've taken lessons and found people from other industries who can bring a fresh perspective to magazines because we don't want to go the way of, you know, Grouchy or Madison or BOW. So many of them have yeah, closed yeah. in the last 18 months and it's because they're doing things the way that they've always been done and we have to be able to change and morph and, you know, move with um, what the consumers and what our readers want. Does the, um, the offices sound nothing like the basement here at Voodoo Soundgaz. <laughs> She's, she's got no Tim Tams and Monte Carlos, but <laughs> And the lava <laughs> lamp. Come on, be fair. <laughs> I t- love it. <laughs> I bet she hasn't got a tiger skin lounge like we have. No, of course not. No one's got one of those. <laughs> Lish, uh, in the book, you talked about shifting your energy, facing your fears, and being the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. From the journey you've had, um, can you give us – maybe the three top things you could think of immediately that would help Robbo and I to become the best version of ourselves? <laughs> I think you guys are doing all right. <laughs> Get off the Tim Tams for me. <laughs> uh, look, I think um, for me there's a few big things along the way. Um, Ten years ago, uh, just last month, I um, stopped drinking. So now I have more champagne and beer in my fridge than I think anyone I know, and I love a good party, and I'll still be the first one to dance on the table anytime. But (laughs) for me, alcohol and I didn't agree, and so that was, you know, a conscious decision that I made many over 10 years ago to actually stop drinking. And, you know, that was tough, and so what I say to people is don't stop drinking, but find out, you know, whatever it is that is holding you back or that you're using as a crutch or, um, you know, because I think we all have things, um, be they, you know, food addictions or whatever sort of addictions or whether they be um, mindset that keeps us small or whether they be that we're living life according to other people's expectations. And, you know, there's so many things. So I think once we're prepared to look at ourselves and do the work, that's that's one of the biggest the biggest things that you can do. Um, and then the other thing is, I guess, you know, surround yourself with an amazing team. What I realized, and so many people work as solopreneurs or, you know, they start off working by themselves as I did in their living room or whatever. And the reality is, you know, even if you need to outsource things or find a different way to, um, you know, exchange currency in terms of maybe you can't pay them yet, but you can pay them in, you know, I don't know, doing doing other things for them to amplify their profile or help them out in other ways. You know, there's a lot of other currencies um, than money, and that's that's a lot of how the collective's been built. We've tapped into like-minded, non-competing partners who have huge databases who've been able to spread the message. So I think that's something else really important. And um, and the third one is, you know, really have an unwavering self-belief. Like you have got to find um, the way to kind of believe in yourself, you know, because at the end of the day, that's that's all you've got. you just got to keep going. No, it is unlikely if you're thinking as big as I have that there's going to be a lot of people who are thinking at the same level. And so you've got to find and dig deep and have that resilience just to keep going, whatever that takes. Mm, that's gold. A lot of bravery in all that, isn't there? Especially, you know, looking at yourself and going, well, what's holding me back? What what can I give up that's going to help me move forward? That's There's a few brave yeah. decisions in there. Yeah. And the other one I'll just add quickly would be health. That's something that I've learned. Um, I think so many people get busy just being busy. And I, I now have a complete not negotiable in that I train pretty much every day. I have a personal trainer three times a week. I have a green juice every single morning. It doesn't matter what day it is. Um, there's certain things because I realize that without my health, um, 
I can't be a good partner, friend, leader, boss, you know, all that kind of thing. So that's kind of, that is my number one priority now. So what? Just let's segue into that, Lise. What's what is your take on food and nutrition? Like, tell us, tell us how you approach that in your own given day, because you are doing books, you got magazine going, got a great team. Um, I know in the book you said you do a lot of charity work and that sort of stuff. How do you? What what's your take on food and nutrition, and what would you advise? to an entrepreneur who wants to have the energy and mojo that you've got going? <laughs> well, um, there's a few things on that. And I am certainly, I am terrible and I fall off the wagon a lot and I'll eat junk <laughs> as much as the next person, but I try not to. And I guess the difference is now I do it consciously and with awareness and yeah. kind of beat myself up when I do it. But for me, when I'm when I'm being good, so one thing that I do, which so many people say to me, oh, my God, you must only sleep four or five hours a night because you get so much done. In actual fact, I generally sleep eight to ten hours every single night, <laughs> which people just can't believe. And I'm lucky in that I don't have children yet, so I know that sort of is on my side a little bit. Um, but the thing is, I'm pretty much never tired during the day, and I have so much energy because I know when I'm on, I am 100% on, and I just go. Um, so that's one thing for me. The other thing is... Um, just literally starting the day every single day with a green juice or a green smoothie and something around that is I don't always have time to make it or I don't always have time to run out and buy it so and this sounds a bit devil wears Prada <laughs> it's probably the only bit of me that actually is magazine editor but um, my PA Phoebe if there's not if I don't have it on my desk or I haven't had time to make it she'll always run out and grab me one so there's things like that you know just find someone who can make it happen for you if you don't have time to do it yourself um, and then yeah the other thing is I, I mean I try and eat as well as I possibly can and I have a lot of people that we showcase in the magazine and that I follow on Instagram and kind of friends now who are constantly all about health and nutrition so it's pretty much in my face all the time so I'm, I am very conscious of it and then exercise is is one of my biggest things so I train in the gym about three days a week with my trainer and then aside from that I do a lot of boxing and I'm always outdoors you know rock climbing or doing anything I'm a total outdoors adventure kind of a person. I love it. Isn't boxing a lot of fun? I, yeah, I, I love I, it. So I've good. only just discovered it in the last year or two that my gym had a, well, I knew they had a boxing class, but I've only been going for a year or two. It's one of my favorite things of the week. One thing I actually look forward to is going to boxing class. It's fantastic. And you know what? I think um, as well, just on that, I mean, sorry to labor on about giving up drinking, but I think whatever it is, like, you know, drinking alcohol is fantastic in terms of, you know, it's at the end of the day to sit down and have a glass of wine and just relax or whatever. And so for me, it's been about, you know, how do I um, exchange that for something else? Because I still have the same stress or the same whatever at the end of the day that other people have, but I just don't have alcohol to land on. So things like boxing or going for a run or going for a rock climb or going for a swim or a surf or something, I love that because it's like, you know, it's great just hitting something with, you know, whatever it is mm-hmm. and just getting that kind of the day out. So, Absolutely. yeah, so I think it's really important to find that. Yeah. Robbo, there is, um, there is so much to take down here. We are going to take a quick break. We are talking to Lisa Messenger, who is the editor-in-chief and founder of the Renegade Collective and also author of a brand-new book, which is a cracker called daring and disruptive we're gonna take a quick break for people to take some notes down here or just reflect on the stuff that lisa's been talking about and we'll continue in a second the mojo radio show Okay, we are talking to Lisa Messenger, who is the editor-in-chief and founder of Renegade Collective Magazine, and we're talking about her brand-new book, uh, Daring and Disruptive, Unleashing the Entrepreneur. Um, Lisa, in the book, there was a, a quote from JFK that said, efforts and courage are not enough without purpose and direction. Um, you've obviously found your purpose, and it's, you're right in your lane. If somebody is listening to this and they're going, you know, I still don't believe I found my purpose. If you were them, what would you do? What steps would you take? 
Yeah, it's a good question. So purpose is, you know, it's a tough one. And I went through, and I talk about this a lot in the book, I literally, I was so comfortable um, in my previous role. As I said, I started my business 13 years ago, and then, you know, we were publishing books for people and doing some marketing and things, and it was kind of like I could do it with my eyes closed, and I had great systems and processes in place. And so I was just comfortable, you know? And for me, comfortable... It's not a great place to be, which sounds completely counterintuitive, but I just knew I was ready for something more. And so literally, it's sort of a funny process, but I I literally, I'm not a religious person, but I'm definitely spiritual. And I literally just almost kept repeating a mantra, like, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? And I became completely detached from the outcome. And what I mean by that is I got to a point of complete surrender where I was like, if I need to clean toilets in India, if that is what my purpose is, I will do it. It's a really, it's quite an incredible place to get to. And 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 it was a place where I wasn't kidding. Like I was like, if that's what I need to do, I'm ready to do it. And so, and I mean, that might sound a bit woo-woo to some people, but um, but then it was just suddenly so obvious to me. And and the funny thing is, I'd literally had a meeting with my team the day before, saying, right, we're going to focus on this now. We're not deviating. And I think sometimes when you get to a certain pain point in your life or something doesn't feel quite right or you get pissed off about something, that's when the biggest um, change and the biggest opportunity for, um, you know, for purpose or your why to eventuate comes from. And that's certainly been my experience. And so literally the next day I walked in and went, I want to do a magazine. And my staff of three at the time looked at me and was like, what? We just said yesterday we were going to do this. But um, I think... Getting uncomfortable is good. Getting pissed off about something is good, you know? I I think that sounds quite strange, but you hear about it, like people saying, you know, I had a child and the nappies were, you know, I don't know, giving the child rash or whatever it happened to be, and I was pissed off about it, so I decided to develop my whole own range. So I think if people look at where what triggers them, where they see a gap in the market, what's annoying them, because no doubt annoying other people as well, and that's, that's a really good place to start to look for your purpose. Or, um, you know, you'll hear people all the time, friends of yours, that will start with, they'll say, gosh, you're really good at that. Gosh, you're good at that. It might be organizing or it might be whatever it is. And you hear it enough times and then suddenly you think, gosh, maybe this is what I'm meant to do. So I think just listen and watch for the signs around you and it will, be, it will, it will fall in. Lisa, just on that, Robbo, um, Lisa and I did, a, did a, a, a job together at the... Ivy Ballroom, Liz, was it? The Ivy Ballroom? The Day of Inspiration? Yep. And you told this fantastic story about a friend of yours that had been dreaming but wouldn't yep. put the pedal to the metal and yep. you <laughs> helped him to get started. Can you just tell that story? Because I think yep. a lot of entrepreneurs, particularly going into the new year, have got this dream or have got a spark, have been pondering something but actually haven't put a stake in the ground to take the first step. It's a brilliant story. Can you just share that story for us? Yeah, absolutely. So this was a a friend of mine who was, you know, a pretty accomplished businessman and was just, you know, in a bit of a rut and literally didn't know what to do next. And this is as simple as it gets in terms of any business I do. And uh, I said to him, what are you interested in? He said, "I, I love food, I love Bali, I love travel. And I said to him, would you like to run foodie tours to Bali? And the listeners should take note of how long this actually takes. It was probably going to take about 30 seconds to a minute. Um, and literally, he said, yeah, that would be amazing. And I said to him, put on Facebook right now, who wants to go on a foodie tour to Bali with me? Now, that is as complex as my business plans get because the next stage of that is it only takes one person to say, hey, mate, that sounds amazing. What's the cost? And at that point, I would start to research, whoa, okay, someone's interested in this. Well, flights are going to be mm. this much. You know, the foodie thing's going to be this much, the accommodation." Oh, it's going to cost about three or four grand. So you then go back and say that. If the person then says, oh, wow, that sounds attainable, then you can actually work out the detail and put some rigor around it. And literally, I mean, that's why I can fail literally 20 times a day because I'm consistently testing things on social media or going out to potential corporate partners to get things funded or whatever it is. And I do all of that before I write a single word about how it's actually going to happen. It's... um. It reminds me of something, Liz, you wrote in the book. It was a quote from uh, Victor Hugo said, um, there is one thing stronger than all the armies in the world and that is an idea whose time has come. Yeah, absolutely. I love that quote. (laughs) 
And what's really cool about your story and that quote is that when an idea's time has come, it's just taking that first little step like you helped your friend through with posting something. Yeah. So just people have got this thought in their mind. They're going into the new year. They want to have a crack at this. They're inspired by your story, inspired by your book. Obviously, along the way, there are speed humps. Along the way, there are voices in the back of your mind that want to steal your mojo. How do you handle that voice of doubt or that those dark moments? What's your own way of approaching that? Yeah, and, and I think it's a really important point because all of us have that consistently. But for me, I've um, very consciously chosen who I surround myself by now. You know, there's that old adage, you become the, um, what is it, the five people you spend the most time with yeah. or whatever. And so I think one thing is, you know, don't be afraid to exit you say friendships or partnerships or, you know, people who aren't going to lift you higher or support your journey. And in saying that, you know, I also don't just surround yourself with yes people. I don't want people, you know, I get, as I said, hundreds and hundreds of emails of people saying, wow, you're amazing, you've changed my life. I almost become as beautiful as that is and as humbling as that is. I almost let myself become desensitized to that because I actually need people saying to me, Actually, I would have liked it if you had done this a bit better or, you know, so you've got to find that that balance and that blend of who's going to support you and lift you higher. Look, there were plenty of people and there still are when I launched saying, oh, that's not how you do a magazine because it's not. I mean, and and that's the beauty of it. It, I'm purposefully being counterintuitive on a daily basis. If someone in the magazine industry is doing A, then I will purposefully do B. Like I'm actually looking to be, um, you know, counterintuitive you know, when they zig, I zag, I'm, I'm absolutely doing that. So um, so I think that's what keeps me going. And look, it's tough. I mean, there are roadblocks along the way all the time. My answer to everything is just keep your head down, don't look up too high or you're going to scare the hell out of yourself. And, um, and just follow, <laughs> and just, just follow the next logical step because the reality is, it's this simple. I literally kind of go, I'm an entrepreneur. What would I want to read about in a magazine? Oh, I'd like to read about that. Well, let's try and interview those people. I'm an entrepreneur. Where would I like to buy a magazine? Oh, I'd like, to, you know, I shop at Woolworths or I shop at Coles, whatever it is. I'd like to do that. Now, when we got ranged in Woolworths and Coles, which happened very early on, people said to me, oh my God, no, you can't get ranged there. That wouldn't happen for like five years. But if I had have heard that and listened to it, I wouldn't have even made the phone call. But actually, I just found out who the people we needed to speak to were and went in. So I think naivety can be a really good thing as well. It's such a it's such a good point, um, Lisa. Going going through the magazine, and, and I know I've, I've asked you about this before, but I just I just love the way that Renegade Collective looks as a magazine and the style of it, and yet the content. They fly in two different directions but come together to make this quite unique style that is just so different, isn't it? Is that, is that kind of in your mind where you zig when they're zagging or vice versa? Is that kind of your belief about being a disruptor? Yeah, so thank you so much for picking up on that. So when I decided to do a, a magazine for entrepreneurs and creatives and, you know, thought leaders, game changers, um, rule breakers, style makers is what I came up with in about four minutes in the shower one morning. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> as all good ideas come to you. Um, and I thought, if I just do another magazine that looks like a business magazine, then I'm going to be shoved down the back of the news agency yeah. if I, in fact, get in there at all. And so I thought, I'm going to do something different here and I'm going to make it look like a fashion and a design magazine. And so it was very, um, very purposefully and strategically I did that because I just thought, you know, if you think about, well, I looked at you know, out of the five and a half thousand print magazines in Australia, there's sort of 10 that sit in the, the top, you know, and they're all in the women's category things like Vogue, Marie Claire, Harper's, um, and Vanity Fair. And so I knew that I needed to sit next to them. And so I knew that as much as it kind of kills me and pains me, I needed to play the game to a degree and I needed to look like them. So that people who'd never heard of the collective, you know, we didn't have the money behind us that those guys do to promote. So I needed to get the placement in new stands. And to do that, I had to make it look like them. And then, you know, as much as it pains me to put sort of celebrities and people on the cover, um, 
I kind of have come to terms with that because I think, well, if it makes people pick it up thinking that it's, you know, like every other magazine and then they actually read it and they go, wow, this is really different, then I've done my job. And uh, and luckily that's working and our community has just been so extraordinary. You know, they, they read it, they share it across social media, that amplifies it to more people and it's it's just been the most extraordinary growth trajectory thanks to our mm. community. It's so true. It's uh, it's such an interesting way you've approached this whole magazine thing, Lisa. Um, we're going to let you get on with your day because I know you've got a stack going on. Um Couple of quick questions just to finish off the uh, finish off the show. Rapid fire mojo. What book do you recommend the most to others for them to read to help get their mojo working? Ah, uh, well, anything by Gary Boatwhistle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll put that in the show notes. She's sweet. Um, Look, it's really funny because I don't get a lot of time to read. It sounds so ridiculous owning a publishing company Mm. and now a magazine. I dip in and out of so many things because every issue of The Collective, which is every four weeks, I have to read so much because we've got over Mm. 50 um, people that we interview each issue. so, but actually, at the moment, I am reading cover to cover Richard Branson's *The Virgin Way*, which is his latest book. Um, everything I know about leadership, and I'm absolutely loving it. Um, particularly having just met him, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. spent some time with him. We will put uh, that book by Branson in the show notes for you, Liz. That's a, that's a good recommendation. Do you have a morning ritual? Yes, I do. So, really, my morning ritual is. Um, Wake up, look at Instagram. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so I literally do wake up, of course, kiss my beautiful partner, Jack, look at Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter in that order, Um, get out of bed, and then generally I will, uh, you know, go for a run or train with my dog, Benny, Um, and then literally, and it's quite good, actually, something that I've learned, and I think people should give themselves permission to do this. My staff all start at 8.30am every morning and for about 12 and a half years I turned up at 8.30am every morning and uh, for the last six months I'm a slow learner. Finally I've decided that you know, as soon as I step into the office, it is all guns are blazing. It's crazy. I can't even watch the bathroom without five people, you know, asking me questions. And so often now I won't come into the office till 10. So, uh, yeah, so so I'll train a bit, you know, have my green juice either here or when I get to the office and, you know, and, and generally sit and, and meditate a little bit as well and just sort of have some quiet time. So, yeah, so I try and ground myself before I come in. I'm glad you didn't say, look at Jack and kiss Instagram. That would have been uh, a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> or kiss the dog. <laughs> <laughs> kiss Benny. And if you, want to see, if you want to see Benny, just buy the book. There's some beautiful shots of not only Lisa, but some beautiful shots of Benny in the book. And, um, and there's some very exciting news that Lisa has with Jack that uh, has just been announced um, of recent times. So, um, so the world is good for you, Lisa, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the world's amazing. And, you know, it really is amazing, and and yeah, Jack proposed uh, very recently, and that's been an incredible romance with another mm. extraordinary entrepreneur who I love to bits. And uh, mm-hmm. I think you know it is testament to when you find your purpose and your why that truly anything is possible. And I can certainly say that because it has not always been that way. Mm. Congratulations, too, by the way. Yeah, Thank you. and uh, <laughs> I tell you what, it's a pretty cool, uh, very romantic, very cool for those people. We'll put Lisa's um, social media details out there for people to follow you and have a look at your stuff. Um, and it was very – what Jack did was way, way cool. It was very, very classy. <laughs> I think he set the benchmark for a lot of guys out there. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, when he called me and asked what I thought oh, he might yeah. be able to do, oh. I sort of suggested a few things, so, you know. Of course. Well, thank you. I have you to thank for all of that. <laughs> it's perfect. Actually, let's, let's get Jack on the show and we'll do, a, we'll do a show for the guys on romance because he's yeah. – uh, He's raised the bar. That'd be a really interesting topic that I've never heard anyone talk about. You should do that. Actually, you should get him on because there's there's an entire sequence about how he sort of vaguely tried to propose on NECA and then dropped a ring in the water that I'd had for 22 years that it has been lost forever. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. So it's like a Classic. bit of a false proposal. So was there oh, any anyway. panic that you were going to say no due to that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny and obviously it wasn't meant to happen 
And so then he he absolutely pulled out the big guns when we got back to Australia. Yeah, make up for it. Yeah. Um, a couple of quick things to finish up with, Lise. Do you have a... Um a, a ritual around your sleep at night? My, a ritual around sleep? Yeah. Um, to a degree, yes. Only because it's, you know, when my day's been so busy and so full on and I've often got yeah. events to go to at night or whatever, um, you know, I do sort of try and separate myself from social media and emails and all things um, <laughs> online about two hours before I hit the pillow. Otherwise, there's just no way. And I think that's the problem yeah. with lots of people. They can, you know, they almost continue on social media in bed. And, uh, yeah. yeah, and then I just try and sort of relax and go through a bit of a, you know, a meditation or whatever. And uh, I'm a pretty good sleeper. Once I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> so, so but it's a big thing because I know I speak to so many people who have so much trouble sleeping or, yeah. you know, only sleep a few hours a night. And, I mean, for me, I need lots of sleep, as I said. So, yeah, yeah so I do go through a bit of a process. Nice. Um, last question for you. You're about to go on stage. Many thousands of people in the audience, you are going to play a music track to get your mojo working. What's your go-to track? Oh, God, I don't know. Probably a bit of raw by Katy Perry. That's a bit cliche at the moment, isn't it? this the other day because I get asked a lot to you know play a song before I go up there's just there's so many good ones but you know what yeah. I'm going to tell you a secret I am so hopeless I can literally sing very badly um every single word to a song but as soon as someone says to me who, who's the artist or who's I have no idea I am absolutely hopeless so <laughs> generally just something upbeat you know high energy dancey kind of an anthem and I'm up there and not a, not adverse to busting out a few dance moves as well. Maybe, maybe my question should have been: You're about to jump on a table. What would you dance to? Yes, there you go. There's a better question. <laughs> <laughs> Alcohol free, but up on top of the table. Yeah, up uh, on top of the table. Yeah, we just we just had. I have no idea. When we're on Mecca, we kept having. I like to move and move it, which is that one from the kids' movie. <laughs> what is it? Um, oh, what sweet. Is Let's it? get some of that on, Robert. Oh, I like to move it. Move it. I like to move it. these lemurs on the island and suddenly you know the talk oh Madagascar that's on the movie it's so, <laughs> it ended up being this crazy kind of conga line on Richard Branson's dining room table to I like to move it move it so the random things in life and the crazy places we find ourselves hey absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah. well Lisa we're going to let you get on with your day I, I can't Thank you enough on behalf of Robbo and I for taking the time out to have a rave with us. Um, honestly, you're just in awe of what you're doing. You're a lovely, lovely person doing amazing work and changing the world. It's just cool. How, people who are listening who who do want to get in touch with you, um, what's the best avenue for someone to touch base or just learn more about what you're doing? Um, thank you. So probably, well, Instagram is where I share my so it's my Instagram and my Twitter and my Facebook and LinkedIn are all just Lisa Messenger and the collective is Collective Hub. So Lisa Messenger, a collective hub across all channels. And, or they can shoot me an email, um, which I try not to encourage these days because I realize I get way too many, but it's just Lisa at the messengergroup.com.au. And I, I still try and respond to everyone, even if it's just super quick or try and point them in the right direction because I really believe, you know, as entrepreneurs, we need to kind of lift each other up and support each other as much as we can. That's incredibly generous of you. <laughs> I don't know how much longer that's going to last for, but, you know, but I kind of think at the moment, who am I to, to not, you know, it's, it's our incredible community of people who are supporting us. So I want to try and support as many people as I can in return. Do you know what I find amazing is as much as he's maligned in the media, um, Alan Jones still oh, apparently yeah. replies to every letter and every email he receives that day. Does he really? It, that day, yeah. the same day he replies. Still God, that is extraordinary. Day. And you can imagine what he must get. Yeah, I, I can only imagine knowing the volume I get now and he's like, you know, a thousand times more well-known. or You know, yeah, it's quite extraordinary. But someone said something to me recently, which I um, – it was actually Andrew Banks, um, the recruitment guy, and he, I interviewed him and he said – 
you know, who am I? He said all these, I'm paraphrasing, he said something like, you know, the bigger you get and these people think they're so important or whatever, but that's really lonely, you know, like suddenly you alienate yourself from all these people. And in actual fact, it's the communities and people that have taken us there in the first place. So it's, it's an imperative to stay connected and I really believe that. And I think it's a lovely way to finish because I know that Lisa is, um, is determined to build a community around entrepreneurs and what we're seeing with the Renday Collective and the Daring and Disruptive book, which is an absolute beauty, and the work you're doing, we know you've got far bigger dreams in mind for your community. So people should touch base, kiss Instagram, yeah. send uh, blow Lisa a kiss through Instagram. Yeah, definitely. And look, <laughs> if people want to appear in in the collective, I'm also big about, you know, anyone can be in there as long as they've got a story and they're prepared to talk really openly and honestly about the journey um, but please just email me like a paragraph at, at most about why you should be in there and I'm really happy to look at it Robbo just saw an opening <laughs> 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 two both two ends in the studio we're, I was done, we're, say, we're in okay you're in send me a one paragraph and you guys are in <laughs> <laughs> my next point was going to be isn't it ironic that there's someone who's doing so well in the media talking to a couple of hacks like us <laughs> yeah. oh, we, we should do loose. something with you guys Oh, we'd uh, we're we're up for it. We're absolutely uh, we're open, you know. Yeah, we're uh, we love a chat. To do. Yeah, <laughs> love a chat. Well, thank you. Um, thanks again, Lisa. We're uh, we're massive fans. We're going to sit down now, make a fresh cup of coffee, and read uh, read this magazine together. So, um, <laughs> thank you, and we'll hopefully we'll uh, we'll see and talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun, Lisa. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Getting your mojo working. This is the Mojo Radio Show. So, mate, halfway through that interview, and I didn't say anything because we were obviously chatting with Lisa, AP came in here with something in a cup and the room reeks. (laughs) What are you drinking? (sighs) Well... AP is my handmaiden today and he <laughs> just popped out to the kitchen and heated up my yeah. bone broth. <laughs> now, before you go, it's grass-fed. Talking it's, about paleo. It's made properly. It's, it's everything you'd expect to see from McDonald's corner. Um, yes. But it's really good for you. Do you, do you know much about okay. um, bone broth? No. No, I know a little bit from what Michael Smith mentioned of it, but that's about it. Well, you know, at the farm we run our own Galloway cattle that we then sell to people. And whenever mm. we do a – when we ever process one of our steers, obviously we keep all the bones and all that sort of stuff, and I make my own bone broth. Yep. And um, I must say, as much as I know it does stink out the studio a bit, um, there are <laughs> – a lot of nutritional benefits from it. But um, I'm just wondering, rather than me rabbit on or beef on about my broth, um, should we, why don't we just try and get Michael on the phone very quickly and get him to explain the health benefits of and how to make it. Okay, hang on. Just while I'm doing this, can I just say that I've, you know, having played grade rugby, I've smelt better smelling change rooms. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, it's Michael. Hey, Michael, it's Robbo and Gary from the Mojo Radio Show. G'day, guys. How are you? Yeah, good. Really well. Michael, um, I mean, you're probably busy today. Just, just a, a quick call. Um, can you spare a couple of minutes to, to sort of talk about the science behind bone broth? Sure. And I think uh, the bone broth would be perfect for Robbo, especially if he's got uh, Crohn's disease. Mm-hmm. Tell us what's behind it, mate. How, what is bone broth and how does one make it properly? There's a couple of different ways you can make bone broth and using different bones. I prefer beef bones. Uh, you can use chicken bones or any sort of grass-fed, free-range bones that you can get. The longer you cook it for, the better. Uh, you can roast the bones off before you cook it and add in vegetables, uh, you know, herbs and spices as well to give it a bit more flavor. But the longer you cook it for, the better. So ideally, at minimum of eight hours to get all the, mm. wow. the essential the essential minerals and nutrients, even up to 24 hours. So if you've got a slow cooker or something like that, you can just let it simmer away there and you don't have to take, pay too much attention. You might have to top it up the water a little bit. So essentially we're making a stock, really? Is that right? Yeah, very concentrated stock. It's not so much, not so different to the stocks that I used to make in French restaurants 20 yes, years ago. That's right. Oh. Absolutely. Bouquet garni. So you- I can speak some French, see? 
<laughs> um, so you take chicken or beef bones, you've, you, essentially you could have used them or, or you roast them off, and then you stick them into what, just normal uh, water? Yeah, just normal water and just slowly simmer them for, as I said, uh, eight hours minimum and up to 24 hours. Chicken stock, you can actually make a lot faster. That can be a two-hour stock. Mm. Right. Is that because of the density of the bones? Yeah, they break down a lot quicker. So you yep. get the minerals and the collagen and everything out of the bones a lot faster than with beef bones. Wow. Okay. And I was advised to put in some apple cider vinegar to help draw the calcium out of the bones. Is that something that you have heard or do yourself? Yeah, you've been given some good advice there. The, the vinegar will right. actually help break down the bones and draw out the not just the calcium, but the minerals in general and help get the, the gelatin out of the bones. Yeah, you've been, you've been giving good advice there, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I, I must say, I, I have noticed a difference and I, in, in lots of different ways. Can you, can you outline sort of the, some of the science behind it, Michael, and, and the advantages that Robbo would get by having a cup of broth? Sure. Well, for a start, the, the bones are a very rich source of minerals uh, you can get, and they're in a very easily absorbable form, so it's a very mineral and vitamin-rich uh, broth. But they're also rich in amino acids, and in particular, amino acids like glycine, proline, and glutamine. And they're amino acids that aren't hot. They're not found, well, they are found in uh, your normal muscle meats like rump steak and I fillet, but not in very high amounts. They're found in organ meats, but a lot of people these days don't make the organ meats. So you're getting yep. a better balance yep. of amino acids that aren't found in other foods. Hmm. And these amino acids, uh, they're important to make. I'm not sure if you've heard of glutathione. Glutathione yep. is your master antioxidant in the body. So that makes it very good, very good for the immune system, the, uh, the, the amino acids. So when you mentioned Crohn's disease before, is that what we're talking about? Uh, that's partly what, it, what we're talking about, but it's also rich in... Uh, glucosamine and chondroitin, and you've probably heard of them before yeah. to help with like joints and reducing inflammation in the yeah. body. Yeah. Well, that can also help reduce the inflammation in, in the gut and help heal the gut. Okay. So it can help wow. with the gut, but it also can help with the, uh, you know, the aching joints from sitting in the studio all day. Mm. Mm. And the football knee? Oh, uh, the old football knee, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, and so know, the, it's, there's, a, there's a lot of benefits, isn't there? Well, another another thing that contains is the collagen, which I mentioned before. And as that mm. breaks down, it's very high in gelatin, which is very good for healing of the joints. So if you've got the old football knees, uh, it's a great it's a great supplement to take long term. It can actually replace taking things like glucosamine, chondroitin, MSM powder. On the subject of the football knee, let me put this to you. I've had three surgeries on my knee over my career and was recently told at a checkup that I have the knee of a 65-year-old at the age of 45. Um, how, much, how much result, I mean, I know it probably varies person to person, but what sort of results do you think I could expect? Well, it depends on the knee. Have you taken things like glucosamine before? I don't really take a lot of supplements. No, I take a, daily I take a, a multivitamin and I also take... Um, iron with the vitamin C, obviously because of the Crohn's, I need to replace my iron because of the bleeding and stuff. So, yeah. um, so the, and I take a, I take, well, I'll, I'll say the brand name, I take your cult every day as well. That's basically what I take each day. Yeah, so it comes from individual to individual, what sort of, you know, knee problem they might have. Mm. And it's not like a quick fix, even taking things like glucosamine, you want to, you'll see a difference over months rather than weeks and days. Mm. But you could see, you know, you might get your knee back to a 45-year-old. I don't think you'll get it back to a 25, but okay. you'll, you'll find just less inflammation in the body, a bit more yeah. flexibility. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, it's worth trying then, So, definitely. Michael, if somebody's, um, somebody wants to do this, they've got their, they're going to put it, on, put it on, on the stove, they're going to get a slow cooker out, cook it for 12, 14, 16, 20 hours. How often would someone drink a cup of bone broth to start seeing some, you know, the best, the best possible outcome? Ideally, it sounds like a lot of work to do, but if you made it once a week and you could have a cup per day or a cup most days of the week, yep. it can be incorporated into other foods as well. You can add it to a, 
you know, a curry or a casserole, anywhere it asks for stock. So bone broth is very different to stock that you buy in the shop too. We probably should clarify that. Yes. You need to you need to make your own. So once once a day would be optimal, especially if someone like Robbo is coming from a 65-year-old. But if you want to just maintain good health like you, Gary, maybe two or three times a week. Yeah, and you could freeze it and put it away, couldn't you? So you could just pull it out. And- it freezes really well. It won't last a week in the fridge. It'll last two or three days, four days in the fridge. But if you're going to, you probably want to freeze yeah. it in ice cube yeah. containers or small small cups. Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. This is a mojo show and this nutrition information is all great, but what's it doing for my mojo if I decide to um, go down this path? Well, you might get back on the footy field. There you go. Ooh, I might. We come back. Nice. <laughs> well, I've been warned by, with fear of death by my doctor, should I ever take to a football pitch again? <laughs> <laughs> well, how, how would get your mojo back overall? It would help to start healing the gut. And as I said, you don't, you don't fix you know, gut function in a few weeks, but mm. over months it actually starts to help repair. Mm. You would absorb your nutrients a lot more easily. Mm. Uh, bone broths are actually a key part of something called the GAPS diet, which is, stands for gut and psychology syndrome. And so that actually would improve brain function as well. Okay. The, the minerals from the bones are actually very good for hair, skin, and nails. So you might have a more beautiful complexion. That's helpful. I've noticed, I've noticed that. <laughs> I'd need to drink a lot, let me tell you. <laughs> that's, important for your, that's important for your mojo. It is, absolutely. Does it help me grow hair back? No, I don't think so there. Damn it. Yeah, that hasn't worked for me, buddy. <laughs> and I'm drinking lots of it yes. with hope. We live in hope, man. We live in hope. Live the dream, man. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to try that. I'm convinced. Good. Michael, you've, right. you've convinced me. Yeah, great. Hit up Gary for some bones and get the right stuff. Yes. Good point. Bert Whistle, send me some bones. Ridgeline.net.au. Big shout out. That's our farm. And we do deliver grass-fed beef and grass. I live in Sydney. I'm not traveling to other places. Uh, anyway, hello, Acma, if you're listening, cash for comment. <laughs> uh, I'll bring you some bones, buddy. Michael, thank you for your time, buddy. Really, really appreciate you uh, taking time out for a quick call. No worries. Have a good day, guys. Thanks, mate. Cheers. All right, so um, it's bone broth for me then. Yep, that was a big show, mate. I think we're uh, I think we're done. Yeah, I'm overloading. Talk to you next week. Out. The Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see GaryBurtWhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out VoodooSound.com.au and for the right voice, RealTimeCasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time. <laughs>